You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Good morning, Perth. Good morning, globally, online, everywhere. Great to have you out of church on Boxing Day. For the countries that don't know what Boxing Day is, it's the day where we take out our frustrations after all the things that happened in 2021. That's a new tradition. Any frustrations you feel about the entire pandemic, take it out on Boxing Day. Look at your neighbor. Don't hit them or we will get sued. But lovingly, whatever, just smile with your eyes, maybe. Do something that just makes them know that you're happy that they're there. And uh, we're just glad you're at church. We're going to pray. Thank you for standing for the Word of God. Father, we stand in honor of you. We stand in awe of who you are. We thank you that all around the world, as people are leaning in, listening to your Word, I pray not one would be lost or distracted. God, I thank you for those who've got no idea what's going on, and yet they just are in the room. And I thank you, Lord, for those who've been on a journey. Thank you, Lord, for those who came just simply for the air conditioning. Whatever they came for, Lord, we just thank you for them. And we thank you, God, that by the end of this day, By the end of this message, by the end of this service, something would have shifted inside every person that's listening. I thank you, you're real, that we don't serve a a dead being. We don't just look to the sky in faint hope, but you are real. You're personal and you're here. And I thank you, God, that those who are hungry would would, would be filled and those who are thirsty would be quenched and those who 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 are looking would find you. And I thank you, God, for the path ahead that no one is here by accident. No one is online by accident. And Father, your word would not return void, but it would accomplish what you sent it out to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. Amen. Fantastic. Come on, give the Lord one more incredible, unrestrained shout of praise. You're allowed to do that this morning. And then you may take your seats and... uh, I want to thank you for braving the heat and, uh, you know, I thought about this. If I wasn't, uh, if I was just sort of a, I call it a fringy Christian, is that a, a nice term? Like a, a not that committed one, like, and then they suddenly, we had to wear masks. I mean, I put myself on preaching just so I didn't have to wear a mask. <laughs> Your honesty has started already. <sighs> Who ate too much yesterday? Just... Keep the honesty going. How do you, you know, I didn't, I wasn't too bad. I've had worse, but it was so hot. You know, we're saying, I want to burn for you. I'm like, yeah, we are. (laughs) You know, it's not an exaggeration to say that in the last two years, Uh, The storms have got stronger, the winds have got wilder, the floods have risen higher, whatever metaphor you want. Fear, panic, worry, anxiety, the other voices that are not right have got louder in some places. And even as in in the wonderful, uh, safe uh, vicinity of Perth, the uncertainty has never been higher. We've got this incredible global encounter and we're still waiting on seeing where, you know, some European traveler has... uh, The uncertainty's never got crazier. And if, if, even forget corporately, even personally, people have gone through hell. 
People have gone through their own challenges. If not here, you've got loved ones that you haven't been able to see. We've lost, we've lost family that we didn't get to farewell. And, and the, 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 the craziness of the world leads me to make this one statement. And if I were to summarize the entire message, it's this one sentence. If we don't steer our lives, the rudder of our lives, intentionally in the direction of following Jesus, or as I want to call it, discipleship. A disciple means to follow, to learn. If we don't intentionally steer the rudder of our life in that direction, we will by default drift completely off course. Think of driving a brand new car on a straight road with no wind or traffic. You can just set the thing on course, and I'm not talking about a Tesla, and you can drive without pretty much touching the wheel with light alignment. Now, that's not the circumstances we live in. Not a new car, think of an old beat up car on a winding road with howling gales and storms, and yet people are still trying to drive with the light alignment thinking we're gonna be fine, and if you don't intentionally hold the steering wheel of your life in course, it's not just as simple as, well, uh, we'll it'll, be, it'll be fine just like it used to be. Things have changed, you know. Uh, and I, and I, I guess I've provocatively titled this morning's message, Disciple or Drown. <laughs> Disciple or Drown. Now, anyone heard of the expression sink or swim? It's, it's an expression simply used to describe... Uh, when you're thrown into the deep end, maybe your first job when you got a job and, and, and you know, it was like, oh my gosh, I've got to sink or swim. In other words, if I don't learn to conquer and overcome the hardships I'm facing, I will drown. So it's that idea. Maybe when you first got married or when you first got into a different, difficult situation, it's sink or swim. You either have to survive through learning. You, it's, it's, the neutral ground has disappeared. You're either going to become a great swimmer or you're going to be a statistic. You're either going to be a disciple or you're going to drown in terms of your faith. This is not a pandemic message. Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. Go into all the world and make disciples. And the context in which he knew that church was about to walk into was not a pandemic or a virus. It was a psychotic leader by the name of Nero who was about to wipe out people and persecute them to the point of killing them and martyrdom and so he knew that they had to turn their lives in the direction of literally following him not just accepting him not just smiling at him not just turning up on Christmas and Easter he, they had to actually and he said make disciples of all nations now any kind of extremist message I'm not a fan of at all because I'm Switzerland I'm a Switzerland guy I, I, don't like that side extreme, don't like that, but the fence that I loved sitting on is not there. And to not wholeheartedly choose Christ is to outright, outrightly reject him. And as dramatic as that sounds, that is the reality. And I guess lukewarm was never Jesus' favorite temperature anyway. You're like, this sounds very fanatical. You know, a uh, couple of years ago, I went to Old Trafford. Anyone been to Old Trafford? That's the football state. There's more manifestations when I say that than when I say Jesus. Anyway, Manchester United, I've been a fan, and I've got some pictures here. Look at that. That's me standing in front of the dugout. I've seen these pictures. I've watched this on TV my whole life. There I was doing a tour of this incredible stadium. That's the seat 
that the manager sits in. This was incredible. Some of you know what I'm talking about. This is like a holy moment. There it is. I'm worshiping. I'm not worshiping. I'm just taking it in the sunshine. This was up there with going to Israel for me. Uh, it was a great experience. And it was incredible because you got to see the whole place. But I got to tell you, you meet some strange people there. I mean, I thought I was a fan. You go to the game and you, I'd wear a t-shirt, I'd wear a scarf, I'd, you know, whatever. But there's some guys there, they'd paint their face red. They would tattoo the logo and stand there real, hey guys, I'm fine, we don't need a fan. But that is so kind of you, it's very sweet. Is it because I said a fan? Because I said I'm a Manchester United fan and you brought... Fantastic. All right, so here's... What do you think? Blake's the only one who can wrap around here. Anyway, there's some strange people out there, and, you know, I would call them fanatical. But I've realized what a fanatic is. Do you know what a fanatic is? Someone with a stronger conviction about the same thing than you. So we'd be following the game, and there would be... We're in the same stadium, supporting the same team, but some just wear their passion on their sleeve a little bit more strongly. Yeah. We're all in the same auditorium, worshipping the same God, and some are just more convicted about what they're worshipping and convinced about who they're following. And that does not make them an extremist. That just makes them a disciple. That just makes them, it's not a personality thing. It's a real thing. And you might say, well, surely I'm a disciple. I mean, I'm here. I'm wearing a mask on Boxing Day on Sunday. I could have been watching The Ashes. Boring. I could have been doing some, going to the sales. Uh, there's a lot of things I could, surely I'm a disciple. I think I'm a disciple. Am I a disciple? Like, if I had to ask, are you a disciple? I, I mean, I've messed up a bit, but I think I, I'm not sure. Let me ask you a question. Who here is married? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you put your hand up fairly quickly. There's a couple of people at the back who literally just then thought. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> are you married? <laughs> I mean, it's binary. You're either married or you're not married. I didn't ask if you're enjoying your marriage. I didn't ask if you wish you weren't married. I just asked if you're married. Yes or no. It's a yes or no thing. It's the same thing with a disciple. You can't sort of be a little bit married. You can't be a little bit of a disciple. You either are a follower or you're not a follower. It's like you can't be a little bit pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. Now, there's stages of pregnancy. There's growth in pregnancy. There's different types in terms of how people handle it. But you're either... Yeah, and the reason people find it hard to answer the disciple question is, is not because... It's because they think disciple is like some status they achieve in a game. You start out at rookie, then you go to amateur, then you go to pro, then you go to grandmaster, then you go to Yoda, and then you go to disciple, grandmaster. You know, it's like, I don't think I'm there. I was there in 2018, but I don't think I've fallen a few statuses. It's, that's not what a disciple is. A disciple is not a status you achieve. It's just the wholehearted direction of steering the rudder of your life in the in the space of saying, I choose to follow Christ. It doesn't mean I get it right all the time. It doesn't mean I get it good all the time. It doesn't mean I work it out all the time, but I've made a conscious choice. I've, I'm married. I'm pregnant or I'm not pregnant. I'm a disciple. That's it. It's not, it's not as dramatic as we think. In fact, I would go this far. 
If you think of yourself as disqualified, I want you to consider this verse in Proverbs 24. It says, for a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. But the wicked stumble in time of disaster and collapse. For a righteous man falls seven times. I thought you're only righteous if you don't fall. What do you mean a righteous man falls? That makes him unrighteous. No. The righteous man falls seven times, yet eight times, yet he rises again. So what makes you righteous is not that you never fall, but that you don't stay down because you've set your heart on a course where every time you fall, you get up again. Every time you stumble, you get up again because you've made a conscious choice to steer the rudder of your life intentionally in the direction of being a disciple. And, and, and yet the word righteous does not mean perfect. The word righteous means right standing, right standing with God, not right lying with God, right standing, meaning I'm going to get up again. Every time I fall, I'm going to get up again and I'm going to keep walking in that direction. And so now, To disciple or drown is as simple as making the hard choice today on Boxing Day 2021 that as for me in my house, as for me, I've just got to choose that this is the direction I'm going. I might drift that way, but I'm going to get back on there. I might fall that way, but I'm going to get back that way. All I know is I've set my heart on pilgrimage. I've set my life on a course, and that is not up for debate. You're like, well, honestly, can you speak like a more loving message? We've had a rough two years. We're wearing a mask. Can you say something a bit more loving? A bit more kind? A bit more inclusive? You know, I don't think I could think of a more loving message in the times we're in. Think of a... If, if, if this convention center were to burn down to the ground, if any building were to burn down and you're trapped on the inside and you're praying for a rescuer and a fireman turns up, finally breaks through and finds you, and you're like, oh, thank you. And he says, okay, how do we, what do we do? And he says, listen, I'm here to give you a hug. You're like, that's not a loving fireman. That's a negligent fireman. The most loving thing that that fireman can do is lead you out of the burning house to a place of life and peace and safety. You don't need a fireman to give you a hug. And go, how, how, how's your day? It's not good. The house is burning. Get me out of here. Loving is different depending on the context you're in. And so this is not about making you fanatical. It's about setting the course of your heart in a direction where you're going to make a choice to come hell or high water, whatever it is, I'm going to follow Christ. Now, when I say follow Christ, it's, I use it as a synonym for being a disciple. And you might not even understand what that is. So I'm going to give you a, a few more synonyms that actually break this down in such a practical, easy, digestible way that nobody will be accused of misunderstanding this. To choose discipleship, to choose to follow Jesus is to, number one, choose life. That's what you're choosing. You're choosing life. Christianity at its core is not a debate with the world about right and wrong. It's actually a life and death issue. It's not a right or wrong issue. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good or wrong people right. He came to me, make dead people come alive. That is the nature of what this is about. And so when I choose Christ, it's not that I'm choosing right or wrong. The problem is we, we reduce everything to a debate and we want to fight people, we want to argue people, we want to, is this right, is this wrong? No, 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 it's not, it's not a right or wrong issue, it's a life or death issue. You know, you think of it, Jesus said it this way, there's a path that leads to life and there's a path that leads to death. You get to choose which way you go. And so the problem is when we read the word, when we hear what Jesus has to say, we think it's all about rules.
rules. It's all about morality. And we end up debating people around morality. What's the difference in your religion? My re it's not nothing to do with morality. It's everything to do with life and death. For example, when he says, it's so important you forgive. Forgive 70 times 7. Forgive your neighbor, forgive your enemy. He's not going, ah, oh, I want you to forgive so you can be a good moral group. So people can say, wow, you Christians, you forgive. What a good, noble bunch of people you are. He's not doing that so we can have brownie points to tick on out. He's saying that if you hold on to the poison and the, and the stain of unforgiveness, it will kill you. It will lead to death. But if you choose to do what I say and follow me, the way I will lead you will lead to life. And what we do is we have a debate around right and wrong. And it's not about right and wrong, it's about life and death. The big taboo issue around sexuality and gender. And he says, oh, well, it's my right, I can do what I want. It is. He gave you a free will. You can do whatever you want. But wear a mask. You can do whatever you want. Whatever you want. But he says there's a way that leads to life. And there's a way that leads to death. And so let's not get into debates with people about right and wrong. Right and wrong is a part of it, but they're derivatives of a far greater reality called life and death. Right and wrong exist, morality exists, but they exist within a much greater, more important framework. And that's why when you, when you argue with people, it's not a, you're never going to win an argument because everyone's got their own level of morality. But Jesus said, follow me so that I can lead you to life and life abundantly. Not, he didn't say, I am the way, the truth, and the right. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What I bring brings life into you. I'm not here to win points. I'm here to bring you to a place of life. That's why he said life and death are in the power of the tongue. Not good words and bad words. Not swear words and nice words. Life and death. Everything about the kingdom leads to either life. The absence of it leads to death. And that's why Joshua stood in front of a nation and said, Today I call heaven and earth as witnesses before you. And I give you basically two options like multi-choice at a uni exam. A, life. B, death. A is blessing. C is, B is cursing. Now, pick one. And when I was in uni, I had four choices. If I didn't study, I had a 25% chance of getting my multi-choice right. We have one and two. And he knew how re resistant we'd be, so he even gave us a clue. He said, choose life A. That you and your descendants may live. When you choose to follow Jesus, what you're making a choice today, if you make that choice today, you're making a choice for life. You're not making a choice just for morality. You're making a choice for life. Number two, to choose Jesus is to choose depth. To choose discipleship is to choose depth, D-E-P-T-H. We know the story of the sower and the seed, and, and, and we sang earlier, we want to go deeper. And here's what it says in Matthew 20, um, 13. The seed on rocky soil represents those who hear the message, which is all of us, and immediately receive it with joy. Some of us. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they are problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. You know, I've got a picture of two plants here, and this is sort of summarized that you can everything that God asks of you, again, it's yes, it's life and death, it's not right and wrong. But, but it's also depth, what he's introducing you to, what he's inviting you to. Every time you follow him, he's inviting you to depth. Let me give you an example. Here's a, here's a simple command in scripture that sounds so ridiculous on the surface. Rejoice always. I mean, seriously. Who feels like rejoicing always? I'm going to rejoice most of the time, rejoice on occasions, rejoice most of the... 
Rejoice always. There are plenty of things. What if I've lost a loved one? What if I've just been made redundant? What if I'm feeling sick? What if, what if we've just gone into lockdown? I don't want to rejoice always. What kind of ridiculous absolute command is rejoice always? What he's saying is, come on son, daughter, I'm inviting you to find a depth where your joy is not based on the doctor's report, the circumstance, your feelings or your emotions. He's saying rejoice always. He's inviting you into a depth that is ultimately there to hold you during the storms. In all things, give thanks. What a ridiculous command. There's so many things I don't feel like giving thanks for, and yet it's an invitation to depth. When you say yes to following Christ, you're saying yes to life, and you're saying yes to depth. All of a sudden, it doesn't sound like some fanatical, extreme religious thing. It's actually God, a loving Father, saying, I want life for you, and I want depth for you. And there's, there's no second soil believers that just go yay to the Word, but don't have the depth. Do you know... Rejoice always. I remember the story in the New Testament when the disciples went on a mission trip. And they had a great time. They came back, they saw some amazing things, and they were throwing a party, and Jesus is like the head of the team, and he looks at them almost like a killjoy and says, Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Like, come on, Jesus, can't you just celebrate we won? We had a good mission trip. He wasn't not celebrating their victories. He was saying, guys, anchor your joy in something more eternal. Anchor your joy in something deeper. Because there'll be some mission trips where it's not going to work out. There'll be some summers where it's not going to feel good. There's going to be some Sundays things aren't going to go well. There's going to be some seasons things are going to get rocky. But you've got to find a joy that's deeper. You've got to find a thankfulness that's deeper. You've got to find a perseverance that's deeper. When I say yes to following Christ, I'm saying yes to life. And I'm saying yes to depth. You know, we've got greenhouse. You might be forgiven for thinking. You come to our church. Our church is all about greenhouse, 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 greenhouse. He's wearing a green blazer. Greenhouse, greenhouse, connects, connects, greenhouse, greenhouse, connects, 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 greenhouse. You know, think of it as life, depth, 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 life, 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 depth, depth, life, depth, life, life, depth, life, depth, depth, depth. That's what this is all about. I decided to do Greenhouse next year and, you know, I know I'm teaching at some of it and I'm supposed to sort of roughly be maybe sometimes in charge, but the point is, I'm actually a student next year and when I announced it to a few people, they're like, that's a great marketing strategy, I know what you're doing here. I mean, if the past is doing Greenhouse, how can anyone not do Greenhouse? Ah, oh, very good, good, good exercise, very humble leader, hmm, I see what's happening. I've got a confession. Now's a good time. When I decided to do Greenhouse, I wasn't thinking about any of you. And all of you online either. I wasn't thinking about you either. I wasn't even thinking about Jemima and the kids. I was thinking solely about myself. Completely selfish. I was only thinking about me because here's what I'm asking myself. Disciple or drown is not a title of a sermon. It's, it's the reality we live in. And I'm asking myself, what am I doing to ensure my roots go deeper? What am I going to sow? Because you're like, yeah, but don't you know the content? Don't you? Yeah, yeah. Discipleship is not proved by what I know, but by what I show. I mean, I might know what patience is. I might know the Greek, the Hebrew, the Latin, the root meaning, the hermeneutics surrounding when it's mentioned in Scripture. And at the first sign of a flashpoint, lose my temper. I'm not a disciple because of what I know, but because of what I show. And at the end of the day, the root systems of my life will determine what I show, not just what I know. To choose discipleship is to choose life. It's to choose depth. And we all need depth. 
with all the uncertainty around. And number three, it's to choose eternity. When you choose Christ, you're choosing eternity. You know, I've got a picture here of a, of a rope, and I, this, is a, this is my attempt to describe it. That's the beginning, that's the forever yesterday, and that's the forever tomorrow. And this little red segment here, this is 70, 80, 90 years, whatever the Lord gives you. And it's still not a good picture because it's, you extend that rope right around the auditorium and that's still not enough to indicate the proportion of what our life here on earth is like compared to eternity. And yet how many of us make all our decisions based on the red dot as opposed to the real rope? And the real rope we will be alive for. And whenever Jesus talks, he seems to awaken our vision to the rope, not just the red. For example, he said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and wrath destroy, but where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. We're like, hmm, that's nice. Where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it's a nice scripture, but it's a scripture saying, pointing us to the rope, not to the red. And, and everything about life when you follow Christ, points you to the rope, not the red. That's why we don't grieve as ones without hope when someone in Christ graduates to eternity. Everything about eternity becomes more real when you follow Christ. Everything about the rope becomes more real when you choose discipleship. You know, um, think about it. I, you know, the other day I went to an 18th birthday party. I know you're not surprised because I look young enough to go to 18th birthday parties, but it was actually... What struck me when I went there is it was at a house, and at the same house, I went to uh, this beautiful young girl. She's 18. I went to her mother's 18th. They've been in that house for a while. And I remember thinking, I blink, and I remember her mother's 18th. That was 24 years ago. And here I'm a blink, and here I am. Blink again, and I'll be, if I'm close to the family, at the granddaughter's 18th. That red dot goes fast. And yet so many of us make lifelong decisions, decisions of the heart, based on something that is so temporal. In fact, there was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus. And he was rich and he was young and he was a ruler. He had wealth, he had time, and he had authority. And, and he says, he runs to Jesus, and in fact, the scripture says in verse 17, he fell at his feet and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What did he want? Eternal life. He wanted something a little longer. He wanted something that was genuine. There was a cry in his heart. And Jesus looks at him and says, if you want eternal life, give up everything, and I will assure you of treasures in heaven. Jesus said, I'll give you treasures in heaven and then take up your cross and follow me. So Jesus offers him the very thing he wanted because he asked for eternal life. Verse 17, he asked for eternal life and verse 21, Jesus says, I'll give you treasures in heaven. In other words, for the entire rope, you will have treasure. And he said no because he had a far lot more possessions in the red dot. And he walks away sad. And Jesus didn't say, come back, you seem like nice guy. Come back, no, I, I reduced the price for you. <laughs> I 
when you when you say yes to Christ you're saying yes to life you're saying yes to depth you're saying yes to eternity and 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 whenever a loved one dies it's like eternity becomes so real but we're so addicted to our red dot we get back into the swing of things without much you know in fact I'll go this far those addicted to the temporary may even mock you when you choose to follow Christ when you choose to value eternity over other things what you want to go on New Year's Eve to pray I mean, you want to go to church on New Year's Day? On Boxing Day? You're going to church? What's wrong? Like fanatics. It's, it's actually not fanatical. It's like, I, I, even way before I was a pastor, I remember New Year's Eve, my sister will tell you this. I used to just go for walks about midnight, 11, 11 o'clock at night on the 31st of December. Every year I just go for a walk myself. I mean, I'm, my personality probably didn't help because I wasn't a party sort of person, didn't really like big crowds. Ironically, what I'm doing today makes no sense. But the point is, I would go for walks for an hour and just, I'm like, God, if you're real, and all of this is just the red dot, at the turning of another year, I want to make sure I set my heart on course, that you clear the decks, I'd have communion for every sin I committed, and I'd have communion for every sin I'm about to commit. I was like, Jesus, I just need your help. I want you. And I couldn't think of anything more important than the rope. And yet, people so addicted to the red dot will laugh at you for being conscious of a rope that is far more real than the red dot that consumes them. And you know, even online, there won't be people there. And there's obviously genuine reasons why people can't come. I get that. I understand. But, but don't let, let, let's not be so, let's, let's do a hard check around the red dot and go, what's stopping me these days? I mean, listen, I, I, I get it. Meeting at the convention center when you live in Mandra. Is anyone from Mandra here today? Look at you Mandra people, amazing. Drove from Mandra to the convention center. Anyone here from Butler? Normally when we say that, they yell, but they're thinking the mask stops. And don't just yell through the mask. It's okay. No one can smell your breath this morning. Just, it's awesome. But, you know, then when people go, oh, convenience, they're too far. I want to suggest Jesus came from a lot further. He came from heaven to earth, not Mandra to the convention center. So who am I to let distance stop me? Some people, like, you know, for, for others, I understand it. If I was fringe, I would not want a mask, want to wear a mask. I'd rather stay home and, and lie in my bed turn YouTube on on my very smart TV and just watch it but you know my mum and dad are here today there they are in the corner up the top there um, you can at least do a wave like the royal box yeah thank you yeah. that's him saying hi to everyone and he's fine uh, but he's still recovering on the journey of strength and, and he made a comment he came to our Chris, uh, Christmas Eve service and um, he was saying I've been watching church at home for eight months because for obvious reasons he's had a battle through cancer and he's had to stay away for a long time. And um, he said, but there's nothing like being in the room. There's nothing like being in the room. Everybody online, there's nothing like being in the room. And we're like, yeah, I don't really like this either. But think of if this is a restriction, what restriction did Jesus put on? Flesh. 
Imagine being God and said, I'm going to confine myself not to a mask, but to flesh. And when you are divine and you put on earthly garments and you have to walk not for a day or a week or a couple of years, but for 33 years amongst a whole bunch of other fleshly people, that is restriction. He came from heaven to earth and he put on something far greater than a mask. And yet we wonder why we're so fascinated by this red dot. Is this too strong for Boxing Day? There's a few punches being thrown. Jules is saying, amen. Pastor Mervyn is saying, hit me more. Okay, almost done. Almost done. We're choosing life. We're choosing depth. We're choosing eternity. And finally, number four, we're choosing surrender. Here's the price tag that I haven't told you about. You're like, life. Yeah, who doesn't want life? Life beats depth. Death. Depth means beats shallow. I don't want to be shallow and I don't want death. I'll choose life. I'll choose depth. I'll choose the rope over the red now, you put it like that. But now let me tell you the real price tag. When you choose discipleship, you choose surrender. And I say that with a smile so that you understand there's nothing heavy about it. Can I put it to you this way? What what am I surrendering? I'm surrendering my opinions, my preferences, my popularity. I'm surrendering things that don't really matter and I have to be willing. But I have found something out. I'm in my mid-40s. Let me tell you something I've discovered. There's some of you far older and wiser than me, and you're probably going to nod an amen. But I found this to be the truth. When you realize how dependent you are on God, surrender is attractive. When you realize how desperately you need God to get through life, surrender is attractive. It's not a wrestle. It's not hard. It's easy to surrender. It's only hard when you feel you've got everything in your corner. Surrendering all I have is easy because I need Him for everything. Can I tell you, this is what prayer in my life looks like in the morning. I get up and before I even roll over, whatever the night I've had is like, God, I need you. Oh, Jesus, help. I can't do this day without you. I can't do anything without you. God, I need your grace. I I literally admit my complete dependence and I surrender every thought, word, and deed. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing, acceptable to you, my God, my Redeemer. God, everything inside of me, I, uh, the, everything that, it, that is attached to the, God, I just yield it. I, I, I even pray for the things that I want to surrender, but I can't surrender. I'm asking you to lovingly peel my fingers off those things that I'm clutching because really you know better than I, and I just want every part of my life to be aligned to I gladly surrender. Oh God, all of me, all of me. And, and it comes out in many forms, in many whispers. And at some moment then I roll out of bed and we start the day and life happens. And by the end of the day, I go to bed and the next morning I wake up and I do it again. Oh God, I need you. You know what that's called? Dependence. It doesn't have to be articulate, religious, deep. It just needs to be honest. Paul said, I die daily. In fact, you can put brackets around that that daily depth, daily surrender, daily dependency. Paul said, I die daily. Every die, you know, I, I went, I went to um, a 40th birthday party recently, and uh, I also went. Recall at that being going to a 40th wedding anniversary, a couple in their mid 60s, having 40 years of marriage, and then a 40th birthday party. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, let me, you know, I thought about it as I was, you know, the 40th birthday was beautiful, great speeches, honoring balloons, that was nice. The, so was the anniversary celebration. But as I thought about it, let me ask you a question: Which one is the bigger? achievement I can hear you just try me 
anniversary is correct. I'll tell you why. Because all you had to do to, to, to celebrate a 40th birthday was not die. If you cannot die, we'll throw you a 40th at some point. But to celebrate 40 years of marriage, you had to die every day. That's the married people clapping right there. You know, I know it's Boxing Day, I know it's Sunday. Uh, I guess all I'm really trying to do today is get everybody to consider the red dot and the rope and turn their, the rudder of their life, given the, the winds of the world, in one direction or the other, because to not choose one is to choose the other. And you might be here today thinking, well, that's good for you, but uh, I'm so far from this, it's not funny. I'm barely a Christian, never mind a disciple. Can I say this to you, that God knows the worst thoughts of your heart. He knows the sickest things you've thought of this year. He knows the most perverse motives and agendas of everything about me and you completely inside out without any restriction. And he knows it so thoroughly that you, there's no way of hiding from him anyway. And he's looking at you with complete knowledge of every part of who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he sees the whole thing to the point where you can't hide, no wall, no barrier, no, th- no, 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 no firewall can keep God from seeing the entire thing he's looking at you and yet he doesn't hold judgment at you he looks at you with complete awareness of everything about your life and he still looks at you in complete love and he still looks at you and he still extends his hand and he says will you follow me and so you might disqualify yourself but God looks at every part of who you are and he says the invitation is still open you can still set the rudder of your life in that direction and it's not just for you it's for your future it's for your children and your children's children parents who view church as optional shouldn't be surprised if one day their children view God as unnecessary you can, you can be great and, and your kids may still make their own decisions. So I'm not keeping any shame or condemnation. I'm just saying, set the rudder of your life intentionally in the direction of following God. And even though you will fall, and even though I will stumble, and even though we will have one another, we will have Christ to pick us up. Because all I know is I've set my heart on life. I've set my heart on depth. I've set my heart on eternity. And God, I've set my heart on surrender. I've set my heart on life. I've set my heart on depth. I don't want to be a shallow Christian. I've set my heart on eternity. And I've set my heart on surrender. I wonder if the worship team, and, and in fact, all of us, we could all stand to our feet right now. I don't know I don't know if I'm preaching to the choir I probably am because you're all out here but to everybody online as well maybe you came because someone invited you maybe you're here because you're curious maybe you're here because you got lost from the bus board but everyone who's here was meant to be here and I'm not here to sell you anything I'm not here to market you anything I'm here to offer you what God has offered me and has offered everybody in this room life life 
life. Life, not a form of real life. He's, he's here to offer you depth. He's here to offer you eternity. But it requires the price tag of surrender. There might be Christians all over this room. There are believers all over this room who brave the distance and brave the mask and you turned up. You're in my corner, like when I visited Old Trafford. We're all in the same stadium. But as we look ahead to 2022, you've got to make your own choices about everything. But all I'm asking you to think about is to ensure that the rudder of your life is not loosely held because the winds and the waves, the uncertainty and the times we're in deserve that we give our faith the attention it needs so that it can stand in every storm. It can continue to produce life. It can continue to burn with eternity in mind. And we can feel the joy and the release of surrender as we recommit, as we realign, whatever that is, if you can just lift your hands towards heaven. But I wonder if we could do something a little different today. Can you lift your hands? And if you're physically unable, that's fine. But if you lift it as high as you can, it's a sign of the absolute nature. It's not like that. Am I married? I'm not sure. I'm totally, God, I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering. I'm choosing. Disciple or drown is not a choice. It's, it's, it's sink or swim is not a choice. I, God, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you for the grace to surrender. It's my morning prayer. Father, we, we ask ask you right now for the grace to surrender we ask you now for the grace to release the grace to surrender the grace thank you for the privilege of life thank you for the joy of depth thank you lord that when we say we want to go deeper it's not just a song it's a reality god it's not just a pandemic it's it's a plan for our future father i thank you that every person from the youngest to the eldest lord right right now would make that conscious choice and see as we lift our hands towards heaven i don't know about you but it, after a while it starts to get a little tiring because your shoulders start to ache your triceps start to ache and that's why you can't really surrender all on your own we need one another like Moses on the mountain his hands were raised and Israel won a mighty victory but after a while he got tired and his hands began to descend and his hands began to descend they began to lose so Aaron and her came and held his hands up so that as he surrendered as we surrendered together there was a victory on the on, on, on the other side I want to encourage you you've got someone on either side of you and whether or not you can hold their hand is not the point all i want you to know is you're not alone thanks for listening to this week's message if you have never entered into a relationship with jesus we want you to know that he loves you very much so much that he died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and god if you would like to make a decision to follow jesus today all you need to do is to repeat this prayer dear god I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.